Welcome to Literary Quest, a podcast hosted by us, Vicki and Marissa, where we discuss our favorite and fantasy fiction and hopefully can direct you in your quest to find your next great read. Welcome to Literary Quest. Today we are going to be talking about Using Feho by Victoria Aveline. This is going to be an After Dark episode as we will be talking about sex and we'll likely be cursing. So monitor yourself appropriately. I will be doing our characters and Marissa will pick up with our plot. So our main male lead is Feho. He is an alien, but of an unknown species. However, he grew up on a planet with oceans and with winged aliens around. He smells of the sea and is basically a sexy pirate. He owns a spaceship called the Lair. He travels with a loyal crew, including his best friend and second, Uha. But not all of his dealings are legal. He has been working for a female named Klanara, who uses him for uh, her illegal activities and has also used him in the past for other things. We have Vanessa. She's our main female lead. She is human. She was abducted from Earth and taken to Clacania, and she's not adjusting well to her new home. She is obsessed with returning to Earth because she has a sister and a niece there who she did not part with on good terms and would like to make amends. We have Capra and Maladek, two males who Clenaria has sent to watch her cargo, which is on board Beho's ship. For our locations, we spend some time on Quicania, but most of our time is set, spent on a spaceship called Glare, which is Fejo's ship, as previously mentioned. Okay, Marissa, would you like to pick up with the plot? I would love to. All right, our book opens with Vanessa, who is shopping with her friends when she is approached in a shop by Fejo, a very attractive, very forward male he flirts with her but vanessa bails out of the situation when her friends call for her and that night feho sends her a gift but that's the last involvement that they have for three weeks in that time vanessa works with her human friends mates to make arrangements to escape back to earth uh, because she has to get back to her sister So she makes a plan to marry the captain of a spaceship, which will be heading to a port where one of her friend's contacts will pick her up and convey her to Earth. She goes to the marriage ceremony um, that they have every so often uh, and is shocked to discover that the captain of the ship is Feho, who she met a few weeks ago. Feho is not from Tremantia, but he was granted citizenship by the queen on the condition that he continued to work for Clanara, who is an influential smuggler, and funnel the information about their dealings to the queen. Feho has a long history with Clanara, so he came to live with her and work for her father, Dalton, when he was 11, and his father, her father used him for Feho's abilities to breathe underwater. When they were younger, Clanara developed a romantic relationship with Feho and convinced him to kill her father, 
And after he did this, Clinara basically took over Dalton's smuggling black market business and began to ignore Fejo using his attraction for her against him. And so since starting to work for the queen, Fejo has been granted permission to go to these marriage ceremonies like the other Tremantian males because he wants to find a wife. He would like to find someone who wants him for him rather than someone who will only use him for what he can provide for them or his sexual prowess, which is basically what everyone else that he's encountered in his life has, has been a user. They've taken advantage of him. And so at the marriage ceremony, he learns that Vanessa has selected him and is surprised, but excited. He immediately wants to take her back to his ship, but Vanessa makes arrangements to go with him to the ship in three days when it is scheduled to leave for a three-month voyage. Seho retrieves Vanessa, um, but is surprised by Vanessa's skittish behavior. He thinks that she's just nervous about space travel, and she is, but she's also nervous about her plans to escape from Fejo at the first scheduled stop in three days. In their time apart, Vanessa has gathered letters from the other human females to deliver to their families when she gets to Earth again. And so Fejo brings Vanessa to his room on the ship, but almost as soon as he tries to get her settled, he's interrupted by a call from Clinara, who will not be put off. She asks him about the two males, Capra and Maladek, who work for her that are currently on Feho's ship and who will help in obtaining the cargo that Feho is retrieving for her. She demands that he cut some of his scheduled stops, scheduled stops so that she can get her cargo sooner and Feho is frustrated and she doesn't trust Clin he doesn't trust Clinara or the people that she's stationed on his ship um, but he assuages her and uh, with his charm and agrees to cut some of his stops he returns to his room and Nessa and relays that their trip plans have been modified. The stop where Vanessa was supposed to find her transportation to earth has been cut. And so internally she's panicking, um, but Fejo leaves the room to see to some other things. And she has a moment to regroup. She unpacks and hides the letters from the other women under a drawer. Um, the next day, Fejo gives Vanessa a tour of the ship and she finds it hard to turn off her feelings for him as he is trying so hard to do things that will please her and helps her start to get over her fear of space. They have an uncomfortable encounter with one of Clinara's males, which scares Vanessa and she runs off. Fejo finds her and she claims that she needs some time to calm down. So he returns to their rooms. Now, Fejo has an amazing sense of smell. So while in their room, he scents the smells of the women who wrote the letters to earth and he finds them and reads them. And so Vanessa returns to her room and she finds Fejo furious at her betrayal. She explains her plans and why she must return to earth because her sister is dying and she has to see her and Fejo is still very upset. So he locks her in their room and he leaves and he's really frustrated because he understands her motivations and why she wants to get back to earth. Uh, but he is also super hurt because Vanessa is just one more person who's using him for what he can do for her. 
So the next day, I make a stop at a port and Feho takes Vanessa to a meeting with him and Uha, his second in command and best friend. Uha discreetly tells Vanessa of a woman nearby who could help her get to earth. And he feels that this would be best as all Vanessa has done up to this point is end up hurting Feho and will likely continue to do damage. And so she does try to escape, but Feho anticipates her actions. And while she's running away from him, she runs into a purple blob alien that has toxins in its skin that cause Vanessa to experience full body paralysis. So Fejo carries her back to the ship and he cares for her while she is recovering. And in a moment of vulnerability, she reveals that not only is her sister dying, but the night before Vanessa was abducted, she said awful things to her sister when she asked if Vanessa would care for her niece after she died. And Vanessa never got the chance to apologize because she was abducted the next day or that night. And so that's why she is so desperate to get back to earth. Um, Feho cares for her through the night and the next day when he checks on her, she is instantly defensive because her vulnerability with him the night before makes her uncomfortable. So Feho leaves her and he goes to rest in the saltwater pool on the ship. Vanessa feels bad about how she responded to Feho. So she seeks him out and finds him in the pool. Um, and she's terrified because he's sitting at the bottom. And so she thinks that he's drowned. And so she jumps in to save him, but she's not a great, great swimmer. And in her struggle to save him, she wakes Feho up and he propels him to the surface. He tells her that he has gills and he can breathe just fine underwater and he can sleep underwater. It's no big deal. He also reveals some of his past to Vanessa at this time, including the fact that he was created as part of a science experiment and experimented on by the people who created him up until he ran away at the age of, of, of 11. He met Clonara's father and Clonara at that time, and that began their entanglement. Vanessa apologizes for being short with him, and they share a passionate moment. After having oral sex with each other, Feho's mating marks appear on his hands, and he and Vanessa are stunned. However, they are interrupted by Uha, Uha, who says their maps have been compromised by a glitch. And so Feho gets things straightened out and has to deal with Clinara again, who is even more insistent that he speed up the acquisition of her cargo. Feho and Vanessa grow closer to each other and she begins to interact with some of his crew members. They get their navigation issues straightened out, but they aren't left in peace for long. Shortly after, a loud noise is broadcast over the entire ship. And while it doesn't affect Vanessa, everyone else who hears it is put into a stupor. And so she realizes that Capra and Maladek, Clonara's men, have overtaken the ship and are using the sound to mind control everybody. So what's a human to do and what will happen to Feho and his ship and the rest of our friends? Spoilers abound. If you would like to know, continue listening or go ahead and read the book. Also, we did the best we could with those names. We have no idea how they're actually pronounced. We just guessed. So if it's wrong, sorry. All right. So using Feho, um, this was your... This was your second read too, right? 
Yeah, I can read for both of us, right? Yes. Yep. Yes. Um. So we get space pirates. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love that. When we so we talked about choosing Theo, um, a few weeks, maybe a couple of months ago, and Feho is brought up in that one, and you pictured like a sexy pirate Elton John right yes yes Yes. so we comment we we posted or I think we included that in our podcast for that episode and the author actually um commented on it with a picture of Elton John in a pirate costume which I can't believe is a real thing that exists but it does (laughs) (laughs) it's amazing yeah I had to reframe my mind obviously for this a little bit yeah a little bit because I don't think I could no offense to John read a romance novel of Elton John especially because then she put that picture into my mm-hmm. head so I had to reread his description a bunch of times mm-hmm. uh and he had like he has like a man bun and stuff so I was like all right yeah that's the Elton John doesn't have a man bun I can, I can get on with that mm-hmm. um so he's also mentioned as smelling like the sea and salt air or something like that I love that smell this just made me really want winter to be over because I want to go to the beach same I just love Seho as the main character I'm so glad he got his own book he's just like the squishiest softest sweetest cinnamon roll ever we just we have to protect him no matter what I love him so much he just he is the epitome of just wanting to be loved, right? Mm-hmm. Like, he just wants somebody to love him and to choose him and, like, to have a companion who wants him for him. And I just, my heart in this book, especially for the first, like, 40-some-odd percent of it when he doesn't know. Oh, that, yeah. Right? And he's always, he's thinking, like, she chose me. All of these thoughts that he's having. Right. Like when he gets the, when he hears that it's like a through offer and he gets so excited and he's like, oh my God, but what if um, that other woman like ruins my chance? Oh, he just wants to be loved. I know. It is really hard to read knowing that he's going to get his heart broken. I mean, he's going to be betrayed by Vanessa. And like, I totally understand her motivations and why she does the things that she does, but it's still really hurtful to read because he's so, he's been used by so many people in his life and you just want, you just want good things for him. Mm -hmm. It's uncomfortable and sad and frustrating. I mean, like just reading her parts, I'm like, just be honest, just tell him, just tell him sooner. And I know she's not, but oh you know what it reminds me of so like I have such a hard time like it's like waiting for the hammer to drop your bridge kingdom it makes me think of bridge kingdom where oh yeah you're waiting the whole book for the betrayal to Gosh. come out yeah that was brutal because it's like right at the end when the betrayal comes out and then the there's resolution in the second book man that one was brutal I'm glad when, that's that's real hard on your heart. <laughs> uh, I'm glad we didn't get that. I'm glad it wasn't like that for this one. Like that's hard to read, especially because this is like a, not a, um, 
multi multi book story yes um, that's I a was, good comparison boy that was brutal right uh, and even in that book like so the main male lead in that book it wasn't like he wanted to be loved really badly I don't think so it was like this combination of like having this character who wants to be loved so badly and waiting for him to get hurt it's just mm-hmm. again especially after what Clonaria has done to him you know there's a line about how she would like get him just close and like keep him just close enough and then reveal that he shouldn't then push him away again and every time he'd like have to um he'd be hurt yeah gosh i hate her clinara mm-hmm. is the worst she's so i mean she's just like classic user and manipulator you know, like she just, she keeps them on the hook, but doesn't actually want to like cut bait. Like she just keeps reeling him in and then hurting him and it sucks. Um, and it gets really frustrating too, because she doesn't really, like, she just wants, she doesn't want him, but she doesn't want anyone else to have him either. Mm-hmm. So she's like this weirdly jealous of Vanessa when they end up together. Like she, Gosh, I just hate her. Yeah. I hate her for everything that she's done to Feo and for just who she is. She's the worst. She is the worst. Mm -hmm. Um, What I like about about these characters is that they have a lot, like we experience a lot of emotional stuff with them in this book. They've both got quite a big, quite a bit of baggage that they're carrying around. We have a guy who has basically been used or allowed people to use him for his whole life because he's desperate to feel valued and loved and accepted by anyone, which means that he gets taken advantage of and used. And then we also have Vanessa who's coping with these feelings of shame and guilt and unworthiness because of how she treated her sister and then we also have like that fear of vulnerability uh, as a result of like the rejection that she experienced by her father as a child and her mother's death and the unfortunate things she experienced in foster care it's just uh, I feel like a lot of depth for for both of these characters what I like about it is like these, we've got two people with these emotional scars that are trying to make this relationship work. And I, I really like it. I feel like the way that they're able to allow themselves to be vulnerable with each other eventually isn't, I like it for both of them. It's nice. Yeah, I really, there's this great moment where, so when she wakes up after having like told him all of, everything about her sister and um, her niece and everything um, she kind of snaps at him mm-hmm. and he leaves and he's like did she regret telling me and stuff and then she like come realizes what she did and like she didn't he didn't deserve it and all that and so she seeks him out to apologize and I like that because that shows a lot of growth mm-hmm. right for someone and a lot of you know clearly they're getting closer all of that as well so I liked that moment for for them Mm-hmm. characters and I think it's in that moment where she says something or it's around the time of her apology that she says something about how it's hard for her to share things 
things like that with other people, but it doesn't feel as hard for her to share that with him. Yeah. And that's, it's just really sweet. I like it for these two characters who, Feho, who's been searching for love forever, and Vanessa, who's been ashamed and felt unworthy of being cared for by someone else for a long time, for them to have this moment where they can, he can get the love that he wants and she can feel like she's worth giving and receiving love to and from him or it's not love for her at this point but affection care i mean being cared for mm -hmm. so i made a note about this later on but this book they really don't spend a ton of time together when you think about it it's over the span of what a couple of weeks mm -hmm. a week how long not long right and but you're able to completely like you get wrapped up in them and you feel it and you don't question their uh, love or their bond or anything. And I read a book relatively recently where it was the same amount of time, but instead of like being able to support it, I just kept like screaming at them. It's like, you barely know each other. And I wonder what the difference is between those, you know, like, mm -hmm. I like, is it because you get so much more emotional connection to these characters than maybe I did in the other book? Is it maybe because they're mates? I don't, I don't think they were in the other book. I don't know. Have you ever had that experience? Um, Where it's like an insta-love situation and you don't buy in? Is I that guess. what you're describing? No, it's not even insta-love. It's like they meet each other, right? And they could like hate each other at first, but then all of a sudden it kind of develops into love and you're just there like, oh, what? Like, I don't believe this. Like, how did you overcome all of your problems in a day sort of thing? Yeah. Well, I don't, in this situation, it's not even that Vanessa hates him though. Like she's attracted to him. She likes him. She's just resisting the attraction. So maybe it's, maybe it's that with these characters, they're not experiencing, like we're not going from enemies to lovers. We're going from, I don't want to love you because it's inconvenient, even though I have feelings for you to accepting your affection. And maybe some of it is the mate thing too, because he said like after his mating marks show up, he wonders if his attraction to her, his like instant draw to her was because she was his mate. Mm -hmm. So maybe there's, I don't know, when you have the mate trope, um, I feel like you're instantly a little more gracious and like the, the rapid acquisition of loving feelings. Mm -hmm. yeah I thought maybe like so at first because I've come across this several times like maybe it's the length of the book you know like they're shorter books so it doesn't feel as unique but I've read like similar lengths and had the same thing I just thought it was interesting because I was able to feel like so con like connected to these characters and feel their like mm -hmm. clear relationship but yeah also, maybe part of it's just like that you want so badly for Feho to be loved that when it finally happens, you're like super on board with it. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Finally, That's somebody, insane. because I mean, you just, I felt so much like attachment to this character. I wanted so badly for him to be cared for. Mm -hmm. Me too. There. So in the opening scene, I think this is just hysterical. They sell used dildos at Clicani and flea markets, I guess. 
that's <laughs> is it definitely that's... used or are you just assuming it's used I don't remember them saying it was used I mean it's on like the sale table I cool. thought they were at like a flea market maybe it's not used I mean I would I just feel not. like a flea market is a unique place to sell a dildo I don't, she said it looks like an older model I just assumed it was that's... used You've sale table older model um the audacity of feo in this situation so this is their first interaction he he like creeps up on her his first like the first setup uh i feel like he could have shut i don't know um he he just like rolls up behind her and he's like wouldn't you rather have the real thing <laughs> it's like and then he sends her a new one that night as a gift okay way to shoot your shot sir is a little is a little audacious a little ridiculous there but you go <laughs> it was I, <laughs> I mean i feel like if i met a complete stranger at a flea market and they found out where i lived and sent me a dildo or a vibrator the same day i would change my address and run away <laughs> Well, she mentions being worried about that, but then she's like, you know what? Like all the humans live on the same, like all they had to do, like all you had to do was be like, hey, give this to Vanessa hmm. and they would have found her. So it wasn't like he knows her exact address. Right. He didn't stalk her. It's not that, I mean, it's not that weird or creepy. I just, it's I love that he's like, wouldn't you like the real thing instead? Okay. <laughs> And she does that, like, I, and I think it's hysterical. She even realized that she's holding like a sex toy. Mm -hmm. so. That cracks me up. It was it's a good grand. Mm -hmm. I'm also super curious about what the vibrators or sex toys are like on this world because the, I guess, all of the females lack a clitoris. So is it just like a wand? Is it curved for G-spot stimulation? Do the women on this planet even enjoy masturbating since it's like sex and reproduction are just basically transactional things? Yeah, I don't know. I I was thinking that too. And also the, they can only have one orgasm every 24 hours. So, and like, it, like they close up, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. What, you know... I'm just be, I mean, I know it's unrealistic, but like the toy getting trapped in there or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, obviously they can pull it out. But they don't uh, walk around with a penis stuck in their body for the rest of the, the day. But I just, so, I just, in my head, imagine that happening. <laughs> it's like, hmm. I know, because, you know, the men can pull out or the males. Yes. I'm sure yeah. they have plenty of time to take the sex toy out. Yes, I'm sure that they do. I think it's funny that he sends her like a vibrator right after meeting her. But also, I feel like we should normalize this as a gifting option. Mm -hmm. Right? Oh, yeah. I mean, I feel like this sort of vibe that you send your partner could tell you a lot about like the person and their understanding of what you enjoy. It's the gift that keeps on giving orgasms. I mean, it's not going to die on you like flowers. And if it does, you can just recharge it. 
<laughs> Makes me think of, sorry, that present I sent you. <laughs> I know. My mind instantly threw it to that too. Y'all, Vicky sent me a glass dildo. <laughs> for Christmas two years ago she didn't she ordered me I forget what it is I posted a picture of the it's like a sexy book box um I posted a picture of it on our Instagram when I got it but she sent me a message and was like I ordered you something I don't know what it's gonna be it's like okay and then she sent me a message like shortly after and she was like don't open this in front of your family like what did you send me and she said it's a glass dildo (laughs) (laughs) it was a surprise she didn't know (laughs) oh Oh, it's hysterical (laughs) (laughs) i was mortified oh i was i it was hysterical to me oh man that was great (laughs) one of my favorite gifts (laughs) okay so uh what did you think about the ceremony in this book their wedding ceremony yeah I I we talked about this a little bit in the first when we talked about choosing Theo these ceremonies feel kind of like they're objectifying the males I don't feel good about that. Like, I don't like the, I don't like women being objectified. I don't like the males being objectified either. People aren't like property or pieces of meat. And it feels, it feels like a cattle show or something, the way that they like walk around and they pray and the women get to try them out. And I really don't like it for Fejo because he has like this line of women who show up to test him sexually and like this is a thing he always has a lot of people show up to test him and they never choose him I don't like it especially that one woman I forget what her name is like Gilia or something like she just won't take no and he says she tested him every year and never picked him once oh ma'am no I hated it I hated it too. I hate it for him. He has, um, when he goes, he knows he won't be picked or he assumes. Right. Mm -hmm. And so one of his thoughts is he let the knowledge that he'd at least have a good time in the testing room. It was enough. It wasn't enough. It's not Not enough. enough. It's not enough. And then when he finds out that, um, oh darn, where's her name? Vanessa. When he finds out that Vanessa um, wants him, he makes a comment where he says he could finally have someone, a companion, someone who didn't look at him and only see what they could get. I mean, just remove my heart from my body. It would hurt less. Like this is just, Oh, it's so sad. I know it hurts me. And he's like, he's he's just so considerate and dedicated like so he he had penis modifications which we're gonna talk about um but he's just 
like when he the humans came to this planet he was like he researched the humans he paid attention to their anatomy and their courting so like their courting whatever and he had his penis modified so that it could stimulate the clitoris and he actually knows about the clitoris which i feel like is how you know that this male character was written by a female <laughs> But human men, if you listen to this show and you have sex with vulvas and vaginas, do the research, find the clitoris. So going back to his like desire to just be like loved um, and wanted, he, at one point she says to him, like she wants to have sex with him without all the like frills and stuff on his, Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, on his penis. And he's all, he's like, she wants me just for me, like no tricks, no gifts, just, just him, just me. And I'm like, oh, yes. Yes, baby. You are worthy of just you and not your magic vibrating penis. That's a plus. Yeah. Sounds really exciting. I mean, it sounds like a good deal, but (laughs) just a regular old penis is sufficient too. Yeah. Although I think some of it was like, he had like, some of it was permanent. The ridges. Yeah. Like he had some type of prosthetics or something put in his penis to make it ridged. Mm-hmm. And he's got like the piercing through the glands of the penis, like expands or it forms something to stimulate the G spot. And then it sounded like there's some type of bulge in his abdomen or above his penis, maybe um, that stimulates the clitoris mm-hmm. I think it reminds me of so in like the ice planet barbarians they have this little protrusion above their penis and it doesn't vibrate but in Zoe Draven's Horde King book they have a DACA that does stimulate the clitoris and it vibrates and it sits above the penis too I feel like evolutionarily this is the way we should be going I don't know who we speak to about this type of modification, but (laughs) how do you make that happen? We could put in a request. (laughs) Who do we address the letter to? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Higher beings. (laughs) We need need to evolve in this direction. (laughs) Mm -hmm. A strongly worded letter. (laughs) (laughs) So when she leaves to go on his ship and everything she has all of or most many of the human women write letters to their families so that she can take it and I'm just I what would you write do you know what you would write in this situation no like I can't think of anything that you could write that would like make this okay other than being like I mean hey mom and dad I was abducted and taken to a foreign planet and I'm not allowed to come back and see you because the human race is not advanced enough for y'all to process this without your brains exploding. I'm fine though. I live on a planet that emphasizes female pleasure. So it's okay. Like there's not a, <laughs> there's no way. Cause like, I would still feel off. Like you're, I mean, I guess it's better first off they probably won't believe that you've been abducted by aliens right so they probably think you're having a mental breakdown somewhere right but let's Mm -hmm. say they do believe you right and now they know that you're out there alive and unable to have any contact with you I don't know if that's what's worse 
you know? Yeah. Like, I mean, I was thinking like, at least having a letter might give them a sense of closure, but you're right. Like it would be really hard to believe, oh, my child was abducted by aliens. Mm-hmm. Likely. No. So I don't know that it would bring that much closure. Back to more of our poor Fejo being used by Vanessa. Um, uh, You have a note in here about him being a victim? Yeah. So I, I feel conflicted. Vanessa comes up with this plot to use Fejo to get to Earth. And I don't like it. Like, He's super excited about being husband. And I know he's just going to be so upset when he finds out that he's being used. And he is super upset. Um, And I feel conflicted for a couple of reasons. So from her perspective, I get her determination and her motivation. And I hate it for Fejo that he's going to be so sad by her betrayal. But if I were in the same situation, my sister was dying, my niece was uncared for or going to be left in the charge of someone who was going to be unkind for her. Like I would do anything to get back to my planet too, right? So her motivations, and I know that she's not trying to hurt Fejo and it, it's just a, a side effect of what she's trying to do. Um, I get it. I understand her motivations. And then I feel conflicted because I feel like because Fejo is so desperate to be loved he kind of sets himself up to be a victim in the situation and to be taken advantage of. So the queen is using him. Clanara is using him when he realizes Vanessa wants to go to earth. Like I feel bad for him. Um, and he gets very angry at her, but I feel like some of that anger is misplaced because yes, she's just the most recent person to use him, but he's been being used by his, by other people, his whole life. She's just the newest one. Um, and so I think he kind of dumps some of that on her. Is he right to be angry with her? Absolutely. Is she the only person using him? No, she's not even the only person using him right now. So I don't, I, I struggle with it. It feels a little bit like he's kind of made himself a victim in this situation. Now I do love it. So this is like the catalyst for him to decide, like, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to let people take advantage of me anymore. I'm going to take charge of my life. I'm going to stop being the victim of other people's plans. And I'm going to, after this thing with Clanara and the queen, like I'm getting out. So her actions and her betrayal end up being the thing that really motivates him to try to change his life and get out of this cycle of being used. When he finds out that um he that she betrayed him right one of the sentences is all he'd wanted to do was make her happy and finally claim a bit of happiness for himself as it turned out he'd never had a chance at either <sighs> like he just he kept himself open when he shouldn't have i guess maybe i don't know but I'm, it must have been so hard. Like he spent how many years and how many wet, like ceremonies not being picked and then to finally be picked. Mm-hmm. I don't know. His whole life he's, and I think it comes down to that like desperate desire to be loved and cared for by someone, which is why when even like with Clanara, um, she had been someone who um, he trusted in and 
had feelings for in the past. And so she would um, show him affection and then spurn him and show him affection and spurn him. And he kind of just kept going back to her until he finally realized and, and moved on from that type of, or that desire to attachment to her. But then he gets into this situation with the queen and even like, I mean, as a kid, that's, he was created from a science experiment and tested and experimented on for all of his childhood. So, I mean, he's been seeking some type of attachment to someone for his entire life. And it's amazing that he developed into this person who's so caring and empathetic, considering the way that he was raised. I just feel like he sets himself up to be taken advantage of sometimes. Like to just want to be loved and want to be wanted and want to have that connection. Most people want Mm -hmm. that, you know, and it's so hard to break away from that. Mm -hmm. So he's just... So I highlighted a bunch of stuff, but like, this is just another quote. So when Vanessa like explains everything to him, right. Mm-hmm. Um, he says what he wouldn't give for somebody to be that devoted to him, to cry and beg and steal and cheat just so they could get back to him. Ugh. Yeah. I mean, the author really drives the, drives the point home. <laughs> like, my heart is breaking for this character. So I know. Sad. I know. But then we also have Vanessa, who has all of these feelings of shame and unworthiness, um, and she's just determined to get in the way of her own happiness. Um, She decides, like, nope, I don't need any romantic attachments. I'm trying to get back back to Earth. Like, I'm not worthy of this. Um, People don't like me. I'm not a nice person. You shouldn't like me. Yeah, I think... The situation that she left behind is so devastating, mm-hmm. too. And to have to, I get why she wants to go back so badly because to live the rest of your life with that kind of guilt and then not knowing, you know, she really lashed out at her sister. And I understand it comes from like a place of hurt and being scared and everything. And like, she, you know, um, of course, she would take care of her niece you know, she meant to go back and apologize, but never got the chance. Mm-hmm. Um, but not knowing, you know, what happens to your niece mm-hmm. and your sister, whether or not she's even still alive and knowing your niece going to bike. Yeah. You know, I can see definitely wanting to go back because living with that guilt forever mm-hmm. would be so difficult. Yeah. It would just eat you alive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so she carries those feelings around with her. Um, when, so they're on like the ship, I think it's day two. She's afraid of space. And <laughs> so Feho takes her to this room. He's like, look, you got to get over this. We're in space. So they, he's like, We're, let's do this together. And so he like opens up the things that let her see out into space. And it's amazing. And she says, I'm not important enough to be seeing this I'm too scared to fully appreciate it it's wasted on me and I feel guilty that I don't love it more and Feo he's just so sweet and supportive and he says to her you are important you are smart and you're honest and you're important to me oh 
Yeah. One of the things that I so I like about her is her determination, but there comes a moment when so she accepts her relationship with Veho and she's very much she's not seeing it as an either or thing. She's like, I'm getting my sister and my niece, and I'm getting you too. Like I'm coming back. Like this is what we're doing. Yeah. You know, a lot of times we see in books, it's you know it's kind of like choose one or the other and like normally it works out they manage to do both but like that's normally just by some sort of luck and in this she's just so like it's not one or the other I am doing both that's it we'll figure this out and we're gonna do it and I really liked that I do too I mean that's some character growth from her like I can take care of and check on my family and still be worthy of love from this person. And I don't have to sacrifice my own happiness Mm -hmm. for this situation too. Like I can be happy. I can take care of my family and I can love this person as well. Yes. She does mention at one point earlier in the book, how she wants to like turn off her emotions. And obviously this is not a good coping mechanism. Nobody should do that, but I feel like it would also be very useful if there actually was like a emotion switch. Yeah. You know, um, maybe just think that that would be helpful in some situations, just being able to do, nope, no, shut that off. Yeah. I feel like it would be helpful, but also this is like why I go to therapy. So <laughs> yeah, no, I know. That's what I'm saying. It's not a good coping mechanism. That's why I prefaced it with that. This is not what you want to do. It would be convenient, but it is not good. Well, because then when you like turn it back on, you have all of these emotions. Yes, the emotions come out in force. Yes. I yeah. Feelings it's just so don't much like to be suppressed. It's so much easier to bury it all with humor. That's my thing. Just, mm. you know, make fun of it until it's fine so Feho's best friend is Uha I guess that's how you say his name I can't not picture him as the falcon from the marvel movies yeah that's what he's called right the falcon yeah captain america's best friend mm-hmm. yeah except not bucky the other one with the wings that's all I can picture um he's a real turd when we first start things off, he's like, mm-hmm. to Vanessa, I think you're bad. You're endangering everyone here. Why don't you just stop trying to do what you're doing and suck it up? And I love when Vanessa stands up to him and she's like, so I should just be a good little wife and be nice to him because he had a hard childhood. Well, I had a hard childhood too. And I still have some problems with my sister. So you can suck a dick, sir. Um, I love that. I love that for her. It was great. Is she endangering everyone? Probably. But you know what? That doesn't invalidate her concerns. No. Um... So you pictured him as the falcon. For whatever reason, I pictured him as like a giant bug. Why? <laughs> well, because they said his wings were kind or the wings were kind of like see-through almost. Yeah. Right. And that made me picture fly. 
okay like a fly mm-hmm. and so then he just became like this giant fly okay so well yours is a lot less sexy than mine yeah <laughs> yeah it is oh speaking of bugs they go to that when they go to that meeting with the guy in the tavern where bugs are the servers i mm, couldn't do it nope nope she freaks out and is like i can't i gotta go to the bathroom and i'm like yeah i would have to get out of there i can't (laughs) nope yeah no could not do it um it reminded me of that character from the Fever series by Karen Marie Moaning. Do you remember the one that I'm talking about where it's like a the yes. body of it is made up of cockroaches? Yeah, and yeah. Like oh my god. Being. Ugh. Ugh. Yeah. I hate cockroaches. I remember that very clearly. Yes, yeah. That's what it reminded me of. Mm-hmm. Can't do it. No, thank you. But this scene, one of the funniest things in this book happens, and I love it. So uh, Feho introduces Vanessa to this guy that he's meeting and he <laughs> he asks Vanessa if she's pregnant and she says no are you and this is the best response to this question ever of oh. all time please everyone we need to make a collective decision right now to always respond this way to this question, whether you're pregnant or not. (laughs) This answer to this question is no one's business. So let's all just decide as a world, anytime someone asks you if you're pregnant, even if you're a million months pregnant, no, are you? Let's do it. It's amazing. Okay. I love it. Like it's no one's business unless you want them to know. Stop being nosy. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about the sexy times in this book. Yes. So like I said, we have some penis modifications here. We have a ridged penis. We have a piercing that changes shape and grows. We have some other things. Um, We also have pool room 69 situation and what I felt like is one of the best 69 scenes that I have read um I feel like I don't know they end up coming across as kind of awkward maybe a lot of times or I can't like get the Mitchell image just right in my mind for it to work and I really enjoyed this one yeah I I liked it for several reasons as well. So he's so, he doesn't like totally understand what's happening at first, mm-hmm. right? He's like, oh, like she pushes him on back and he's like, what? And then he sits on his face and he's like, okay, I get this. And then she leans over and he's like, what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I love that. And I love, I think maybe it's because like, it's kind of from his perspective too. He like lifts her up to kind of see what's happening. Yeah. It's just like, it's a humorous scene. Mm-hmm. on top of being sexy um because he also forgets how to breathe <laughs> so <laughs> his gills open up <laughs> during this scene because he forgets how to breathe and I just it's a good scene 
you have a note in here about enjoying oral sex scenes when the males are surprised. Yes. Why do you think that is? I don't know. Um, Maybe because um, it's normally expected or something, or it's maybe it's the part of like a new sensation of them having, and it's kind of fun to see. I don't, Mm -hmm. or maybe it's just that, you know, yeah, it might just be that it's so expected sometimes. Yeah. I so I also really enjoy scenes like that where it's like the men are surprised that a female is willing to go down on them I think we ran across a situation like this in choosing Theo too um or like she I think she's on I don't remember what happens exactly um but I I think it is because it's like a novel thing like it's a new situation for them and so it's almost like their reaction is just so pure like the surprise um, but I do feel like some of it's related to just like in real life, it does feel like a lot of times men expect oral sex. Mm-hmm. And I saw a stat on this recently that kind of supports that. So uh, Dr. Lori Mintz, who's a um, uh, sex counselor, therapist, instructor, um, she posted recently um, about a study that surveyed like 13,000 undergrad students and 55% of the men that responded said that they receive oral sex during first time hookups, but only like 19% of women said the same. So there's this disparity here that kind of lends itself to that idea too. And that of course follows into like the orgasm gap where men in first time hookups and in general, are far more likely to orgasm in heterosexual sex interactions than women in those types of interactions. So I love, I love scenes like this. I love, um, but also, but also what I like about, especially this is that there is that dedication by the male character to ensuring that the female receives just a ton of pleasure yeah that might be one of the like over like reasons that we love romance books in general so much right. too is that because men are so focused like a lot of times so focused on the woman's pleasure in this in these books mm-hmm. and that's not something you typically get um in real life it depends on your partner um yeah <laughs> hopefully you are have- dependent Yes. Yes. Hopefully you have a very uh, caring partner, but you know, a lot of times you don't, I guess. Yeah. So as evident by statistics statistics. that we see, like with the orgasm gap and things. So leading up to the 69 scene, right? Vanessa has, she dove into the pool, right? To try to save him, even though she can barely swim. Mm-hmm. which I think is highly entertaining <laughs> this whole like the description for trying to just get to the bottom even to get to him mm-hmm. but so she manages you know they get out he's not actually injured obviously right so they get out and he she's um like healing him you know using the thing to, like he has a little cut on his head and having her take care of him he starts purring and it's just it's I loved that yes Yes. 
I know. It was just like the simple act of somebody like caring for him mm-hmm. made him purr. And then um, I was talking about this earlier, but like, so his purr explodes from him at that point where she says she wants to have sex with him without any like frills. Mm-hmm. And uh, I want now it's like, is this a kink now? Is this my, is this, do I yeah. want purring now? I do. I want wings, <laughs> tails. What are these books done? I mean, I wouldn't mind if this is where we went evolutionarily either. If we had these like audible signs of, um, I don't know, approval or support or whatever. Mm-hmm. It is just, it's so sweet. And I love this scene for him um, because so we've talked about how beneficial t- just touch being touched by someone can be. And I mean, Feo has people that he like hooks up with at these mating or marriage ceremonies or whatever. But I mean, he's got to be like this hard exterior guy with all of his crewmates and stuff. So he's probably not giving a lot of touch. It's just affection. And he makes a comment after, um, to Vanessa, um, after he finds Vanessa's letters, he comes back and he's like, all right, female, you're sleeping with me. And she's like, okay why and he's like because I've never slept next to a female before and I want to my freaking heart oh my gosh it hurt me so I love for him that he he's just getting like someone to literally just care about him right to heal his wound just to touch him like in this context these these interactions these like just gentle caring things that she does for him have to mean so much to him so there's a point in this where <laughs> Feho leaves on a mission and leaves Vanessa sort of in the ship by herself and so she finds her way to the cafeteria and starts making friends and she's trying to explain like human dating customs to the other pirates on this ship and they just they don't get all of it <laughs> and it's really cute it is really cute um the she so the Feho comes back and is a little bit jealous and he was like or and one of the um the crew members is like she was just telling us how humans give each other dead plants to show their interest to each other (laughs) and they're like does it have to be dead can I give a live plant and she's trying. what about jewelry can I give jewelry what about clothes like she said it's the thought that counts so what do I have to actually give the plants or can I just think about doing it she says no no you actually have to give the gift it's like okay but the thought doesn't count then like I don't know I, just, I thought that scene was hysterical it made me wonder if we have other weird dating customs that aliens would be like yeah I don't know what they're doing well, in a lot of these books, like kissing isn't a thing. That's true. Kissing isn't a thing. One of the things I like about the scenes, because it's just like all of these like space pirates, they just want love too. <laughs> like that's what it means. They're like, how do I woo, you know, like a human female? It's like, first off, there aren't a ton, but all right, here are the tips. Like, it's just cute. It is I cute. Just- well, and what's his name? Um, 
oh gosh, what is his name? Fejo. He walks in and he's all mad because nobody's at their like stations. Nobody's doing their jobs. And he walks into the cafeteria and they're all just sitting around while, um, Vanessa's talking about dating custom. Like they all just, they all just want a human of their own. Mm-hmm. And then he gets like, his, his thought process is just so funny. Cause he's like, somebody else taught her how to use a food synthesizer. And I never did that. I should have been the one to teach her that. And they know things about her that I don't know. You know? Yeah. He's all pouty. He is. It's cute. Earlier in the book. Uh, so part of like Feho's facade with his crewmates is he's like this grumpy, serious guy who will rip your hair off, like rip your hand off and kick you out into space or whatever, if you do the wrong thing. And so Capra and Maladek are Clanara's fellows that she's got stationed on the ship. And earlier in the book, uh, Feho, so Capra rolls up and he grabs a hold of, uh, Vanessa's arm. He's like being kind of forward with her. And she's uncomfortable and Feho's pissed. And so he like body slams Capra into a table and uses the table to break his horn off and then stabs him in the hand with it. Like that is so metal. Yeah. <sighs> wow. Like I love the dedication. I'd be horrified if someone did this for me in real life, but wow. Speaking of clinara's um minions so they're they're not capra's a bat capra sucks um capra sucks but maladek in the end he ends up sacrificing himself so that feho and his crewmates can get away from this weird mind control island um, and rescue his ship and rescue vanessa and i wish that we had learned more about Maladek because he near the end of the book after Feho's mating marks appear he kind of confronts Vanessa in the cafeteria and he he's very uh, pushy about well what did you do to get his mating marks to appear and were you was it from having sex that you caused his marks to appear and whatever and so she confronts him and gets real sassy and is like well you can't force it and it's not just from sex because I have friends who are mated to other clicanians and their mate marks appeared and it wasn't related to sex and so you can't just force this and I'm I would like to know I guess more about why he was so interested or, I mean, he, he, um, was introduced, but we didn't learn just a whole lot about him. And then he sacrifices himself at the end. Yeah, it was, I mean, just like a little bit of more information would have been nice about his motivations mm-hmm. in this. Like maybe he has a mate somewhere or he thinks he has a mate somewhere. He really wants one you know, just a little bit more insight into him would have been nice. So at the end, Clinara turns up again and I just hate her so much. So on the ship, um, after they do the mind control thing and, um, Vanessa gets taken back with Capra, um, I just, I feel kind of proud for her of her for being so brave and like assaulting Capra, this guy who could potentially do a lot of harm to her. She like beats the crap out of him with a pipe. 
and still gets herself caught anyway, but she, um, you know, finds more humans who've been trafficked across the galaxy. Um, and then they arrive at Clinara's, I don't know, ship or whatever, and still just hate her so much, but I love how much sass and attitude Vanessa has for her in this situation. Clinara's like, I don't see what she sees. I don't see what Fejo sees in you. And um, Vanessa has a real snappy comeback for her too. I just can't remember what it is. Okay, so they manage to get to Earth, get her sister and niece and save them. Um, so we have our happy ending, but they don't ever explain how, like, or it's never said how they explain away her sister and her niece's appearance. Like when they get back, Mm -hmm. they just kind of, I guess, show up and are like, Hey, yeah, maybe they're, maybe they're hoping that all of the other like women in stasis will distract from them maybe so um they so i think at the end they haven't actually gotten back to clicania to sort of explain her presence so i don't know i feel like it's kind of open-ended and i need to know what's going to happen to her and how they're going to explain her appearance um I'm really curious about what's going to happen in this world. So they just keep stealing humans, apparently. And the insurgent group that wants to kidnap the humans so they can procreate just keeps growing. And Feho makes a few, a few comments about like the unrest that's growing on the planet. So I'm wondering how this is going to shake down. Um, the queen, so after Clinara's, you know, smuggling ring is busted, they mentioned that whatever federation busts the people that were going to purchase the humans and like there were high ranking officials that were involved. Of course they were because government corruption as always. Yeah. So I'm just wondering, like, are more humans going to be stolen? And at some point, are you going to have to be like, okay, we've taken like a freaking ton of humans at this point should we maybe just let them go back to earth like this is a lot because <laughs> that just they just keep showing up on this planet so are we gonna abolish the mating ceremonies like it, it seems like people are just getting a little bit more and more unhappy i guess we'll see yeah i, I mean the way that she has kind of dropped those little hints it sounds like that's something that's going to end up coming out in future books so be curious to see how this whole society i guess progresses with the introduction of humans and whatever i loved um in the epilogue when uh oh shoot what's her name vanessa makes up with her sister and her niece mia is on board and we get this little like description of a scene where her niece is following around. I think his name is Barack. Um, one of the crew members who etches designs into the walls with his fingernails, I guess, or his claws. Yeah. And the little girl's following him around and she paints his pictures. 
Mm-hmm. It was really cute. Yeah. And I like that Vanessa makes a comment about how Feho realizes in the course of their confrontation with Clanara that he can actually have a lot more faith and trust in his crew members than he thought. It's like he's got all of these people in his life that actually like care for him and respect him and things like that. He just didn't realize it. I like Brock. Sorry. I know that's kind of like off, like you were talking about a little bit. I don't know how you say his name, but it just, um, he's funny. I kind of hope we see more of him. Yeah. Cause when like me is helping him and he's like, no, it's or not helping him, but painting him his stuff. Mm-hmm. And he's like, no, it's okay. I don't mind. <laughs> you think he would. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was cute. I'm curious to see if we're going to get any more stories about the people on this ship. Cause like she introduces, um, Uha and the medic with the sharp teeth and I wonder if those characters are going to come into play at some point I hope so she set herself up really well to do like have like a really long series with this mm-hmm. there now there are like a bunch more human women right we've got a bunch yeah. of guys that she could also use to be mates and stuff so I really want one with um Gosh, I want to say his name's like Rago or something. Rago. Rago. I do too. I hope she does him next. Or just at some point. At some point, I would like to see a story with Rago as well. I think she's setting it up though for Daisy. Is it Daisy? And that one guy who was like, ah, our marks didn't immediately appear. Mm -hmm. So we're not. Yeah, it's Daisy. If you're my mate. Nah yeah so yeah was she also pregnant at the end of this book no okay I couldn't remember I feel like if this book was gonna have a theme song it would be that she likes me for me oh yeah not because i'm with leonardo or that guy who played fargo mm-hmm. that one mm-hmm. i've been thinking it like in my mind the whole time we've been talking <laughs> favorite quotes okay i picked this one because it was sexy <laughs> Feo says to vanessa near the start of their interactions with each other I can't wait to see that fire in you flare when I finally have you under me. Whew, Lord, have mercy. Mm-hmm. There's some good spice. There is. So um, mine is just like a sentence in here. It's not from, it's not a, like a quote that he says, but it's, Feho finally recognized what it looked like to be loved without conditions. He'd already known that he would have gladly laid down his life to keep Vanessa safe. And the knowledge that she would do the same was as humbling as it was beautiful. Just like, oh, yay, he got his happily ever after and his love and all of it. That's just like a perfect, like it's such, I'm so happy for him. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, this, this sweet cinnamon roll. Mm-hmm. He finally got the love he was searching for. Mm-hmm. All righty. Well, that wraps up 
Using Feo by Victoria Aveline. Um, next week, we'll be discussing Bound to the Battle God by Ruby Dixon. This is the author of the Ice Planet Barbarians books, but she also has like a ton of other books that she writes. And this is one of them. And y'all, it is so good. Like it's outstanding. So uh, thank you for listening and we hope you join us next week. Thank you for listening to Literary Quest. We hope you enjoyed our episode. If you'd like to follow us on social media, we can be found at Literary Quest Podcast on Instagram or Facebook. You're also welcome to share your thoughts and ideas with us via email at literaryquestpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks again.